It's time to head out on the front porch on KFRM. Grab your favorite drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation on the front porch. Welcome to the Front Porch. I'm Jamie Bloom, and today I am so excited and honored to have the opportunity to visit with Kathy Bresnahan, Coach Brez from Iowa City West High School in Iowa City, Iowa. Kathy is the author of the book, The Miracle Season, which has now, of course, been made into a movie of the same name. It recently opened up in theaters. Kathy, welcome to the Front Porch, and thanks so much for being here. I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, today, of course, we're going to tell the story behind the book, and then the movie, The Miracle Season. But in this first part, Kathy, I'd like to find out a little more about you. Um, How long did you coach volleyball? Oh, my heavens. Um, At (laughs) Iowa City West, I started in 1987 and then retired in the year 2000 Uh and was coerced and bribed back into varsity (laughs) coaching when it opened back up because the parents promised me a lifetime supply of scotcheroos. Oh, well, hey. Now, that only lasted until the girls graduated. It's like, wait, there was no limit. A lifetime supply should be a lifetime supply, a lifetime, right? that's right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, so. yeah, so then I came back in 2000 and, I'm sorry, 2005 and uh-huh. coached until 2014. Wow, that is a long, long time to coach volleyball. Yeah, it was <laughs> in a, it's a, there's just nothing like being around a team. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care if it's a great work team or. But when you're around high school athletes and you get to watch them grow through the years and mm-hmm. and go through the trials and tribulations, of course, nothing would have prepared us for what we went through the miracle season. But sure. um, it's just a such a gratifying and rewarding career. Obviously, you loved it if you kept doing it that long. I absolutely love it. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, did you grow up there in the Iowa City area? I did not. I grew up in a little town called Dickieville, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. Which uh, is right up in the tri-state area between Wisconsin, Illinois, and Iowa. So I came to Iowa City for grad school, and I never left. Okay. It's a great university town, and I just really liked it here. Oh, good. So were sports a big part of your life as you grew up? Did you always play sports as a child and high school student? I did. I absolutely, you know, I had some great coaches, and... I couldn't decide when I was young if I wanted to be a veterinarian or if I wanted to be a teacher. And I thought I want to try to have the same impact on people's lives that my coaches had on mine. So mm-hmm. that kind of that sealed the deal for me. All right. So uh, you taught school as well while you were coaching then? Right. It's ninth grade health. Ninth grade health. Okay. And now are you still teaching now? I am still teaching full time. All right. I thought that was right because uh, just of the time that I needed to call you today for the interview, I thought was uh, after school. Absolutely after school. Well, uh, talk about volleyball in Iowa City. It's a big deal there. It is a big deal. And um, both our two high schools have had historically had very strong programs. And we have, so that therefore we have very good, good club programs because they, they mm-hmm. go hand in hand. Right. And, um, yeah, our, our kids have been successful at the national level in club as well as uh, dominating, not dominating, but, I mean, mm-hmm. doing fairly well at the state level as well. So there's been a lot of success through the years then. There has been, yeah, a lot of expectations. Yeah, so there's two high schools. About how large is Iowa City? What's the population, or do you have any a ballpark? Oh, uh, we have the University of Iowa here. And our population, I think, the regular town without the students is about eighty thousand, maybe. Okay, it could be a little bit bigger. I, 
sure. not real big on that. Our two high schools are about 2,000 kids. All right. Um, Kathy, how would you describe yourself as a coach? What type of coach were you? Oh, my heavens. I, you know, I think my first round when I retired the first time it was more because um, I'm ultra competitive. Uh-huh. You know, I think a lot of times when people have been athletes who are, and I started to lose perspective of, of, you know, what wins and losses meant, and losses started to bother me more than the wins were gratifying. Yeah. And by stepping away, I think I got a lot better perspective of, you know, mm-hmm. that coaching is about relationships. I think when you're young and in your 20s, it's just so gun ho to win and mm-hmm. take the world by storm. And as we get older, I think the importance of just establishing relationships with kids is really what it's about. That's that's very true. Have, have you ever thought about, or did you ever think about just going to a different level and trying to move up into as a coach in the college level? You know, I I, I was a, when I came to Iowa City, I was a graduate assistant with the University of Iowa program, mm-hmm. and um, and I just I just did not enjoy it. Three of my assistants went on and coached at the college Division One level, so I can live vicariously through them. But for me, I, I really like being around high school kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. College is a full-time job, and I mean that's a, that's all you do. And and I wanted more of a well-rounded experience myself and my athletes. Sure, wanted to keep teaching too. Yeah, so. I love teaching. Uh, what do you most love about teaching? Once again, it's just the relationship you make. Such a what, where else can you make such a difference mm-hmm. and such an impact on kids? Yeah, and help them when they need it the most. And and I just what other job do you get? 40 hugs a day, you know? <laughs> I mean, yeah. there, there are perks to being a high school teacher. Yeah, yeah, and Scotcheroos, right? And Scotcheroos. Those <laughs> ran out, though. I'm not going to talk about those anymore. Okay. It's a sore point. Okay. <laughs> um, I remind those parents of that quite often. Do you? Okay. And if yeah, they listen I to do. this interview, they'll be reminded again. So They will be. Re- it's in the book, even. Yeah. You might have some Scotcheroos delivered to your door. So Yeah, I know. doubt it. No, now they think it's really funny. So uh, through those years, those many, many years, did you ever have a team that was as talented as the team in the Miracle season, or was that an especially talented team? Had you had you been to state a lot of years? We Well, we've gone to state a number of years. We actually were more talented the previous year, and that was our first state title. title. Mm-hmm. And then we graduated three kids to the Division One level. So I thought we were going to be competitive, Sure, but there was no way I thought that we would be one of the elite teams in the state. Yeah. We had our returning all-state setter, Caroline Found. Uh-huh. And so when you have a great setter, you can do, they can make your average hitters look really good. Sure. So I knew we could be competitive with Caroline, but um, we just graduated a lot of firepower. So I, I did not think that we were going to be competitive on the state level. Mm-hmm. All right. So talk about Caroline Found and her role on oh, the team. Oh, my heavens. I could talk about Caroline the whole 44 minutes. <laughs> Caroline was the most exuberant, spontaneous, um, passionate person I've ever met in my life. She mm-hmm. woke up every morning, and she told me this once, that she woke up and thought before she got out of bed, what was something she could do for somebody else that day? Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's really how she lived her life, is she loved meeting people, and she loved making people feel good, and whether it was our kids with special needs, mm-hmm. you know, they all just thought she was their best friend or uh, the kid with no, that was living out of his car, his family was homeless. Yeah. I mean, she just went out of her way to help the disenfranchised kids feel important. Mm-hmm. And what an equality. Yeah, absolutely. 
And then uh, on the team, she was uh, obviously a leader. Oh my heavens! Yeah, she uh, was a, the motivator. I mean, we all we all drew energy from Caroline because she was so fun to have in practice, and um, everybody she knew what what buttons to push. She knew mm-hmm. which kids wanted to be pushed harder and said, you know, come on, get it going, let's go. Mm-hmm. And which kids she just needed to simply say, hey, that was that was a bad step. That was my fault. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's go get the next one. So she knew just instinctively what people needed to mm-hmm. succeed. And boy, you can't ask for more than that as a coach. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, her family was very supportive of the team as well. Very much kind of like the team family. They had a great farm. They bought, I don't know, a dozen acres and an old barn. They converted to a, with a dance floor for the kids and pool tables and foosball and Mm-hmm. Um, in-ground swimming pool. The kids just went there, three generations of kids, because Caroline's older sister played volleyball for me. Mm-hmm. She was four years older, and then there's an older son four years older than that. So um, all the sports teams for 12 years hung on at that place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you uh, co- coached long enough that you saw, you probably saw a lot of that, where you saw siblings and just really got to know a lot of families so well because you had coached more than one of their kids. And now I'm getting the kids, the parents, the kids of the parents I've already co- taught. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, oh, no, I was never going to be that person. <laughs> That's great. Now though. I'm coaching or teaching, teaching uh, yeah. kids, and they're like, you had my mom. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great, though. That's that's really neat. It is kind of fun. Yeah. So uh, tell us what happened to Caroline, um, how you reacted that night. You received a phone call, and there had been an accident. Right. Well, I mean, that summer or the early that spring, we had found out that Caroline's mom had stage 4 pancreatic cancer. Yeah, that was a surprise. Uh, that was just a, an out yeah, of the Yeah, the picture of health and... Um, she came to me and grabbed me one morning and said, tell me what this means. No one will be honest with me. And that's really a, a chilling moment for a parent or an adult that's around kids a lot. Cause you think, mm-hmm. do I protect them? You know, do I tell them the truth? Right. You know, and, and so we'd been dealing with that all summer and we were one week into preseason and that's really hot in Iowa at that time. And, Kansas, Oklahoma, I'm sure is the same. I don't know if you have the same humidity we do. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it, I mean, it's just yeah. a long week of preseason practice. And uh, Caroline, on Thursday night after practice, went to a Young Life Christian meeting and had borrowed a moped, unbeknownst to myself or her father, mm-hmm. and lost was on her way to go visit her mother at the hospital and, and lost control and mm-hmm. was killed instantly. And I got a phone call from my other two captains at about 1230 mm-hmm. in the morning, and they just said there's been an accident. Caroline crashed a moped and died. And you at first and, thought it was the girls playing a joke on you because they did that to you once in a while. Well, they were, I mean, I, when I saw it was somebody come, calling at that time, that would be what Caroline mm-hmm. and another one of our pranksters would do mm-hmm. during the summer. They thought it would be it's really funny, let's wake up coach. And so when I saw that who the phone call was from, I thought, you you know, what the heck are you guys doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Yeah. So then I knew somebody really had died. I assumed it was Caroline's mother. Because you were expecting that any time. Right. We were expecting that. We, you know, we knew she wasn't going to make it through the season. And mm-hmm. um, it, it, it took a little bit for that to sink in. But when it did, wow, you, that was uh, mm. 
not the news any any parent or adult wants to ever hear. Mm, absolutely, yeah. All right, Kathy, on that note, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, okay. we will uh, talk about uh, those weeks following Caroline's death and uh, and how the team got through that. I'm visiting with Coach Kathy Bresnahan from Iowa City West High School. Uh, She's the coach in the Miracle Season. We'll continue our story when we come back. Back on the front porch today, I'm Jamie Bloom, and I'm visiting with Kathy Bresnahan. Kathy is Coach Brez from Iowa City West High School. She's the coach and the author of the book The Miracle Season, which, of course, has been made into a movie. Uh, Kathy, when we left off, we were talking about what had happened to Caroline. She had the the accident on the moped uh, and died. And you got the phone call from some of the other players on the team. Describe the weeks following Caroline's death. Of course, her mother passed away not long afterwards. Twelve days, yeah. Gosh. Well, you know, initially that morning we were supposed to have practice at eight. Mm-hmm. And so the kids had already were already congregating that night, and I said, "Do we need to go get together tonight?" No, nope, we're good, we're good. And then, um, so the whole night, I was trying to decide how do, how do we even handle this in the morning? Yeah. And I just thought we'll do, we'll meet our normal time, and we'll go sit down on the gym floor on the last spot that Caroline was as a setter. We'd go sit on her spot, and everybody showed up hours early because. I met my assistant there at 6 in the morning instead mm-hmm. of 8 o'clock, and uh, we walk out, and next thing, two kids show up, and two more come up. Then I realized we were, we were all sitting there, and there were a lot of tears and hugs, and um, then I realized there was hundreds of kids in the gym. Mm-hmm. That uh, This is just where kids just showed up cause they, when they heard the news, and um, I think they thought the volleyball court was where they most thought of Caroline, so... That became kind of the the theme of the year that um, the team became an extension to them, I think, of Mm -hmm. Caroline. And Mm -hmm. um, they really kind of depended on the the volleyball team to help them with their grief. So, you know, we got through that that morning. And uh, going back into the gym for practices, and we did pull them in the very next day after that for an unscheduled get-together just because we – they thought we were going to practice. We just needed them there so that we would start to depend on each other. Mm-hmm. I thought that that's where they would find their strength. You know, I wasn't right. sure, but I thought, I think we're going to we're going to really need each other this season. And so um, they were very angry. We they Later on, they told us that they thought we were just going to have practice like normal, and that was mm-hmm. not our intent right. at all. We probably should have just gone and met in the team room and not been anywhere near court. But, um, you know... Just stepping back on that court for them was just like pulling off a scab from that mm-hmm. day forward because right. it, it would remind them that Caroline wasn't there. You know, yeah. we were right at the start of our season. So to have this big, loud, vocal, big hearted presence gone mm-hmm. uh, was just exacerbated every day um, and so noticeable that she wasn't around. Right. So, how did your coaching style change over those next few weeks? Um, just feeling like your your girls were so fragile at that point in time. I felt um, the weight of the world on my shoulders. My whole goal was the wins weren't important. I could couldn't care less how we did mm-hmm. on the court in matches. I just thought I had to help them heal and to get through this, whatever means possible. So, the movie kind of makes it look like it was just all this really serious stuff. We did a lot of cutting up and antics or 
Mm -hmm. I mean, we've really felt like laughter was important, you know, that if we were going to get through this, um, that was going to be a really big part of of what we needed. So there was a lot of clowning around, a lot of joking, which, or there was tears. It was really one extreme or the other. Right. And you just had to kind of plan it, take it day by day and see when you walked in the court, what, what everybody's mood was going to be. You know, my assistant and I would walk in and they'd all be hiding on us yeah. in the bleachers or they'd be <laughs> hiding in the heating boxes. And yeah. until we could hear somebody giggling, we'd have no idea where they were. Yeah. You know, so that would have been stuff that other years would, there is no way I would have yeah. let them get away with that. Right. You know, waste, wasting, quote unquote, practice time. Yeah. Uh, but we had to do that. You know, yeah. I took them one day and we jumped in with the cheerleading dance squad and grabbed the pom-poms and joined in the routine. It, anything to make them laugh, mm-hmm. there was no bounds if we could get them to laugh. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think most coaches probably would have cringed because our practices were so unorthodox we did really so little of volleyball stuff but i guess we did what we had to do right right to get through um and i know caroline was described by a couple of the other players in the the clips that i saw as kind of a goofball so that was kind of her role on the team was to keep things light that was a role, you know and the music every day and she was the one who brought joy to the court because she loved the sport so much mm-hmm. you know but yeah, she—you never knew what she was going to do, and kept kept you on your guard as a as an adult, whether it was her family or her coaches and or her teachers. But yeah. um, I can tell you, her teammates just absolutely adored her because of that. Yeah, and we've mentioned already in the show that Caroline was your setter. Um, explain right. it to the people out here who are not volleyball people. Explain the very the set- important role the, of a setter. Right, the setter is an extension of the court, coach on the court. They've got to be able to analyze in a split second as the ball's coming towards them, what defense the other team is running, where the other team's blockers are, uh, which of their her hitters has the best op- opportunity to, to uh, finish the point. And we usually train our setters for about five years mm-hmm. to get them ready for varsity. We didn't have a backup setter. And ironically enough, we'd even talked several times in the summer in the event Charlie's mother died, who are we going to have set? Should we start training somebody? And we decided that would send the wrong message to her. Right. We even thought about maybe we should have a backup person right now. Mm-hmm. And um, it was one of the few years that our next setter was only a freshman. So we mm-hmm. had nobody to take her place on this team. So right. I had to tab her best friend to take, jump in and take her spot, Kelly Fleeler, mm-hmm. which was a horrible burden to put on her uh, her young shoulders. Yeah to take her best friend's spot on the team. Right. And and it took her a while to uh, to really get going, it sounds like. It was. I mean, I had to really build up a trust. I mean, that's told her every day, Kelly, you got to trust me. I can get you there. Just mm-hmm. trust me. And, and that in itself became a joke. And I said, you know what? Tell you what. You and I are going to become best friends. I'm going <laughs> to, wherever you are, I'm going to be. I'm going to move my dog. We're going to move into your house. <laughs> You know, and, and that night her mom set out um, an extra place setting, and Kelly saw it and just screamed and said, no, she's not coming here. <laughs> you know, it, so I, I tried to, you know, ease that from her. But, one, it was a horribly physical task to try to, to figure out how to become a setter. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, you know, 
trying to grab a linebacker off your team and, and making them a quarterback with right. no training. Right, yeah. You know, so it was a crash course for Kelly to try to do, take in five weeks to be prepared what normally would take five years. Right. And I, I saw in one of the clips uh, that uh, he ran like 80-some plays that she had to learn. Right. She had to learn the, the, the um, what each hitter, we have plays, three plays on every serve so mm -hmm. um for different situations and she had to learn what each different hitter was going to hit when we called out the plays you know and she's just graduating from pt school this spring mm -hmm. and so i mean it helped that she was yeah. a 4.0 student but you know that i think the emotional toll on her was so much more difficult than just the, the physical um, yeah. aspect of learning how to be a setter yeah, it was a terrible emotional burden. Sure. So the season got going. You started playing games. Things weren't going so well. I want you to tell us the story of the pennies. Huh. Well, we were we were doing some winning, unlike the movie that showed us um, forfeiting matches. But each win was just really. I mean, we, every it always felt like the wheels were ready to fall off, mm -hmm. and I knew at any moment the rest of the season would be done. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just feeling this tremendous pressure because at this point they voiced the fact that the only thing they'd be satisfied with is this, satisfied with is another state championship, yeah. and that was so beyond what we were capable of doing at that point. Mm -hmm. And one night, my mom, maybe about four weeks after Caroline died, I just had a breakdown. I mean, I, I couldn't be in the gym anymore. I couldn't be strong anymore, mm -hmm. and I just sent him home and said, "Let's just have an easy night," which. I don't usually do and just send them out and let them go home early. And right. um, I went into the locker room and I just started sobbing. And I just said, Caroline, I need. All right, so you asked a tough question here. <laughs> I just said, Caroline, I need some sign that you're okay. Yeah, just tell me, give me something that um, you're still with us. And I, you know, that I walked out of my room. I didn't expect anything. I walked out of my office and. Looked down and there was two pennies at the base of the door, mm -hmm. heads up. And I always thought they had to be in groups of three. And I always thought that was pennies from heaven. Yeah. And I just yelled up at the locker room and was like, Caroline, quit messing with me. You're always <laughs> messing with me. Where's that third penny? You know, and nothing. And I'm feeling like an idiot because it's a Friday afternoon and my voice just echoing through the locker room. Yeah. And I take a step out the door, and the third penny was, was right there. And hmm. the rest of the season, we kept finding sets of three pennies in just hmm. really strange places. And that that really healed my soul that day. I, I knew that um, that was my sign. Yeah. And uh, your season turned around. Our season got better and better, and, and we won the regular season championship. Not easy. I mean, none of the wins were easy or dominating, uh, just through grit. Mm -hmm. and determination and we made it to the state state championship where you have to win three matches mm -hmm. uh to become the crown champions and um we got to the championship match and end up our opponent was our crosstown rivals iowa city high oh really and um the scene was set i mean it was an all iowa city championship and you you do, didn't do great, from what I hear, in the first couple sets, and then you were able yeah, to, we lost to come back. Twenty-seven to twenty-nine, the first set, and then we lost. And you only go to twenty-five normally, right? But you have to win by two, and we lost the second set, twenty-five to twenty-seven, and 
I really thought our season was done then. We needed to win one of those two because mm-hmm. it was so impossible to come back from 0-2 and have to win a best and win three in a row. And and the kids just said in our huddle, this is this is not acceptable. Mm-hmm. And we won the next two, and the championship match um, went to 18 to 16 before we won. But what was so odd about that was. Uh, City High had not missed a, a serve the entire state tournament. They missed five consecutive championship serves. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it just was almost like, you know, I, I think I don't think divine intervention is too strong of a word. I mm-hmm. think there's more important things in the world than a high school girls match. But I, it, it was something. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if there was, the pressure was on City High that much as well. I'm sure it was. Yeah, but this, you know, and, and they make one of those points. There's no book. There's no movie. I mean, they make <sighs> one of those serves. Yeah, they just could not even yeah. put the ball over the net. Oh, gosh, it is. It is an amazing story, Kathy. We're going to take another break, and uh, we'll Sounds continue good. when we come back. I'm visiting right. with uh, Coach Kathy Bresnahan today on the front porch. We'll be back after this. Back on the front porch today. I'm Jamie Bloom. Uh, visiting with Coach Kathy Bresnahan. Uh, Kathy is Coach Brez from Iowa City West High School and, of course, author of the book The Miracle Season, which we've been uh, discussing the season. Just uh, talked about you winning that state championship. Didn't think it was going to happen. And then, uh, surprise, uh, it, it did. Uh, talk about the student support you received. You just mentioned when during the break we were visiting the Live Like Line T-shirts that all the kids wore because Caroline didn't just make a, a big impression on her teammates but really on all of the students in your school. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think their first Live Like Line, two of her best friends came up with that slogan by the next day. Yeah. Just this outlandish bright blue with this bright orange writing and <laughs> they just said it had to be bright like Caroline was and I think they sold took two thousand T-shirt orders the first week, and I I can't even tell you they've they've printed thousands and thousands more. And since I know they were they were um, printing I think four thousand last weekend after people have seen the movie. Yeah. But what Live Like Line meant to us, and that became kind of the mantra of the school that season, that whole school year, was be kinder to people. Mm-hmm. You know, be be nice, and it was an incredible school year, and one that I would, I, I hope everybody gets an ex, a chance to experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, people were kind, people overachieved. I think we had thirty-five national merit scholar finalists. We won seven state championships, which in a large school is really difficult. Yeah, um, it was, it was. Just, people were just nice, you know, and, and even now, I think all of us. We'll go back to that, that, and and just say, you know, is is this what Line would do? Mm-hmm. You know, she just never said a bad word about anybody. And now we're getting letters from little ten year olds and twelve year olds, <laughs> and we saw the movie, and we just want to be nice to people, yeah. and we want to live like Line. And you know, they're ordering the T shirts, and you know, when we had a lot of doubts about whether we wanted to go through the potential. Yeah, you know, having a movie made right. and and airing our wounds to the world, and um, we thought that was the overwhelming reason we did it was what an impact this could have on young female athletes. Mm-hmm. What an empowering film to show them that they can be strong and athletic and yet feminine and 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 good people. 
Yeah, and kind. And kind. Yeah. Kathy, at what point did you decide, I need to put this incredible story, uh, this incredible experience has happened into a book? Well, the weird thing was, after the season was over first, I wrote this long, 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 long letter to Frank DeFord. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was a legendary sports writer for Sports Illustrated. And I just thought someone should tell this story. Yeah. And I, I had no idea how to get a hold of him. I knew he had used to write for Sports Illustrated. So I sent it to Frank DeFord, care of Time Warner, New York City. That was it. That's all you put it in It was the almost envelope. like you write out your thoughts and then you burn it. You know what I mean? Right. And you yeah. purge those thoughts. That's kind of what it was for me. It felt like the first time I could unburden to somebody that was never going to read it, and I could just get dump my soul and my heart into this. Yeah. And I'll be darned, like four days later, he got hold of me and said, Kathy, I can't write this book because I lost a daughter. It would be too hard. Mm-hmm. But he said, I'll tell you what, this is a great story, and let's do a piece on HBO's Real Sports. And I didn't hadn't even heard of the show before. Uh-huh. And uh, so that kind of got the ball rolling. And after that aired, the girls and I were talking, and we knew other people were talking about writing about the the movie or about the story that season. And we just said, if there's going to be a book, it should be our story. Mm-hmm. And so they were, they, all the players were a big part of the process of writing. And I sent them copies all the time and they would offer suggestions. And, yeah, I'm not sure quite that's how it was. And <laughs> I had taken notes every night after practice that season, mm-hmm. um, which was pretty common for me. Usually it was about the drill and what worked and what sure, didn't. Yeah. And this year was, about, that year was about, our emotional state. So I had a wealth of information to pull on and um, it had to be, a, the team had to accept it. This is not my story. That's why the proceeds from the book go to the Love Like Line Foundation, uh-huh. which helps our area kids. And we can talk about that later, but this, this was never my story. This was our story, the girls of mine yeah. in our community and our school. And um, we just thought there was going to be a, a book out there should be our, our book. Yeah. So uh, talk about the process then. How did you find a publisher and, and actually get it done then? Well, I'm, I'm probably the smartest person in the world because in Iowa City, we have the Iowa Writers Workshop. And after toiling on it for about a year and a half, <laughs> I hired a writing coach. Uh-huh. And uh, she, I, she would go through chapter by chapter and she'd say, all right, you're just des- you're describing it you're not putting the reader in that spot. So she would make me rewrite and rewrite. And um, I guess it's just like hiring a volleyball coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, she helped me get to the finished product. And um, I just happened to um, send a note to a man that I knew. I read one of the books that he published, and this was KCI Sports Publishing. Mm-hmm. And he said, let's do it. So I think it's pretty rare for a a novice writer to find a publisher, uh-huh. especially without an agent. Yeah. And then to have that story turn into a movie is pretty crazy. Yeah. So uh, you talked about the Live Like Lion Foundation. Uh, tell us a little bit about what that does. I'm so proud of it. If, if we, I started four years ago, and we've had a lot of contributions uh, from local people and actually people from all over. And our goal was uh, we want kids to keep receiving um, financial aid to participate in activities that they couldn't normally afford. 
And Caroline would buy kids lunch. She'd buy them clothes. She would give them a shirt off her back. And I thought, this this would really honor her. So um, and my, this week we helped seven kids financially with the AP exams for college um, and bought a girl some track shoes. And we sent somebody to BPA, the Business Professionals of America, to the National Convention. Mm-hmm. So it's varied activities. And all we ask in return is that they tell us three things that they're going to do for somebody else. And what does it mean to live like wine? What can you do to make other people better? And so it's really, they're paying it forward, and we're thrilled about doing it. That's awesome. It's really It is awesome. I love that the kids are just embracing, even if it's just shoveling walks for their neighbor. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is, that's wonderful. Uh, so how did the book end up becoming a movie? Did somebody approach you about that? You know, as soon as HBO aired that, we had a lot of pe- people approach us before the book was even written. Really? And we put them on hold for a couple of years. In the meantime, I started writing the book. And the one production company um, had stayed really patient, and they said, hey, let us, you know, let us know when you're ready, but we'd really like to see your book as well. Mm-hmm. And so... Eventually, Mr. Found, Ernie, and I got to the point where we said the benefits outweigh the the negatives of having a movie. So, yeah, they were just kind of in the wings the whole way. So they purchased mm-hmm. the rights to the book, and, and um, the movie got started. All right. You just mentioned uh, Caroline's father, Ernie. It seemed to me in, in watching the real sports segment that he's really an amazing guy. Isn't he a good guy? He's just a teddy bear of a guy. <laughs> Everybody loves Ernie. He does magic tricks. He plays the piano. Um, he's just a gentle giant. Yeah. And to just come out of something like that and still be the person that he is is, is just pretty amazing because uh, that would have been a lot to go through. He did not miss one of our matches. In fact, the night before his wife's visitation, he came to our first competition of the year. Hmm. He did, yeah. And you think the strength that that took for him to watch oh has been senior night, you know, and yeah. his daughter wasn't next to him on senior night. Mm-hmm. And he said, where did yeah. you find that well of strength you know, to go forward? Absolutely. Uh, well, Kathy, we're going to take one more break. And when we All come right. back, I want to talk more about the making of the movie and a little more about the book. So Perfect. I'm visiting with the Kathy Bresnahan today, uh, author of The Miracle Season. And we'll visit more when I come back. We're back today on our final segment on the front porch. I'm Jamie Bloom, and I've just really been enjoying this interview today with Kathy Bresnahan. She's Coach Brez from Iowa City West High School in Iowa City, Iowa. Of course, author of the book The Miracle Season, which has been made into a movie, and it's just been released early April. So a lot of you out there uh, may have already seen the movie. Um, And she was talking when we left off about how the book became a movie, uh, and really, you said the the movie, the interest in making a movie came before the book was even published. So, right. So how much input then did you have on the making the movie script, you know, the adaptation part of that? You know, they took, the, the, the screenplay took a lot of liberties as far as the actual storyline. Mm-hmm. And the only thing Ernie found and I were concerned about, and we actually had him write it in the contract, was that we had final say 
of approval on anything because we wanted to maintain the integrity of the story. Right. And we were really protective of the girls. Mm-hmm. So we had them put in there that the girls could not be shown drinking alcohol or, you know, doing wild and promiscuous things sure. because that's not who they were. Right. So that was they, the company very graciously said, absolutely. You know, we want to do right by this. So um, as far as, I mean, Ernie had a lot more suggestions than I did as far as musical score and things like that. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, I worked with Helen quite a bit as far as putting her in a coaching frame of mind because she mm-hmm. kept saying she wasn't competitive. And I said, wait, of course you are. Yeah. You know, if you and Merle Street were up for the role of your lifetime, <laughs> trying to tell me you wouldn't be competitive. Now, did you, know, you, so did think, you uh, have any say in the casting? Like, at what point did you find oh, out? Oh, heck no. Yeah, I you know, I was kind of campaigning for J-Lo, but that just didn't happen. So, I mean, when they said we got an Academy Award-winning uh, actress to play, you were like, holy cow. Yeah. You know, she happened to call or email me to see Helen Hunt come up on my phone. It's like, I have to kind of pinch myself. Like, Really? Yeah. Do you really have Helen Hunt's personal phone number? Oh, uh, I bet I mean, that was just, crazy. Yeah. She's a good person. She really um, embraced the role. And it was interesting because the relationship then of her and the actresses in the movie, mm-hmm. they still get together every week and get ice cream. Really? And get together. Yeah. And a couple, one's getting married this fall and a couple are in the wedding. I guess it's unheard of in Hollywood. Yeah. But they really did become a team. It was a neat thing to see evolve. Yeah. yeah, that is really neat. Yeah, it really so, is. So you did get to spend some time on the set. I got to go to Vancouver and so did Ernie, and we both flew up a second time on our own money to, uh, I mean, it was such a neat thing to watch. Yeah. And I happened to be up there when they were shooting the state tournament, so I could jump right in and and help with that. And mm-hmm. the, I also got to see the scene and the, be there when they were shooting the scenes in the barn. Mm-hmm. which is really close to my heart, and Ernie got to be there for different times than that. And uh, I was it was just, and everybody was so invested in the movie, from the props people to the extras up in the stands. They would come up and say, the story just moves us, and mm-hmm. thank you so much, and it's so great to meet you. And yeah. I just, people cared. People from the drivers to the food service people, they, they just cared about the story. Yeah. Would you say that's what surprised you the most about a movie set? Oh, my heavens. Um, I couldn't, that, the people were so invested in it emotionally and cared. I just thought for them it would be business as usual. Uh And then the detail to props, you know, from rings that we're wearing, or they duplicated the state tournament floor and had that made again. There are state championship trophies. Hmm. I was amazed by that. And how long it takes to shoot. I mean, they'll shoot six hours for three minutes of film. Oh, wow. So, yeah, different so how, angles, different lighting. Yeah, how long did it take then to shoot the whole thing? I think they shot eight weeks. Wow. Yeah, that's and a I went up time. for two four-day periods. Okay. But, I mean, every day they sent pictures. So Ernie and I got to see what was going on every, every day that we weren't up there. Mm-hmm. And you said uh, Helen Hunt, uh, who played you in the movie, uh, really immersed herself into the role. Did she visit with you a lot then to just really try to get a feel for your personality? Yeah, when she got hired, she uh, asked if I could come down and spend a couple of days with her. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> if I, you insist. <laughs> I suppose I can do that in June. You know, and, 
and she would call when they first start shooting, and she'd describe the scene and say, where would your mind be? How would you react to that? Um, she had me talk to her addiction coach. She had me videotape my walking. So people <laughs> say she nailed my mannerisms. I thought she looked like a dork, so she must have <laughs> nailed it <laughs> because my players sure enjoyed it. So in the William Hurt played Ernie and just did a fabulous job. Yeah. She had two Academy Award winners on the on the set. Yeah. And then the players, the girls that played the players had to really play volleyball. They did, you know, and, and it was neat because they kept Skyping and talking to my girls mm-hmm. who they were representing. So Kelly's, Erin Moriarty um, called Kelly all the time and, and talked to her about, you know, what Caroline was like, what, what she was like, and that was neat. But, yeah, they, they did have um, some body doubles and got kids so off national teams that were very good volleyball players. Yeah. And, but... Uh, they had a lot of that. They, they put the actresses to boot camp. They put them with an Olympic, former Olympic player. Really? And they just drilled them for weeks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and I can't imagine, and you talked about filming the state tournament. Um, when you mm-hmm. when you want things to go a certain way, you know, how many times you would have to, to do that in order to make, to make the play work out the way you wanted it. And then, like you said, to film it from the different angles. I mean, that it just sounds kind of like a grind. <laughs> well, yeah, they would set the camera on a track and... They'd have cameras under the nets and cameras above the nets. And like, holy cow. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes it would be just monotonous. And it would take them hours to set up a scene. They'd shoot for two minutes and say, okay, switch the lights. And like, oh, my gosh, come on. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, they, they they duplicated the championship point almost too perfectly. Yeah. And then what's neat is they, then they flipped through. You see the actual TV coverage of the championship point at the end of the, at the end of the movie. Yeah. So you can see how much that they really did were spot on on their, their videotaping. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, amazing. And then I can't imagine the number of extras they had to hire to fill those stands then at a state championship. They had some it would cardboard huge. people. Did they really? <laughs> yeah. I went up in the stand wow. and put six cardboard people around me and took my, had someone take my picture. <laughs> Yeah, and they would, wow. they would, uh, yeah, they would put cardboard people throughout that looked like real people. Like one might be holding a popcorn, and but they probably had maybe five hundred people, and they would just keep moving around in different clothes and and uh, keep taking angles that way because the field of stadium has been three thousand, which they would have done easy enough had they shot it in our hometown. But uh, you know, if you're up in Vancouver, Canada, you have to hire everybody that you're right. doing. Were you and Ernie then the only ones that were able to go up uh, for the filming? Did any of the the players, the girls, get to go? No, Kelly did not. Kelly, they were all back in school then because this sure. was August, September that we went up. Yeah. So I missed the first few days of school, and you know they they kind of would want to withdraw from the movie part of it. Sure. You know I think they were really they weren't skeptical. We they had agreed to do it. They they thought it was a neat thing, but. I think they wanted to insulate themselves, and they really wanted to be out of college before it was released, and they were. So that was yeah. nice because they, mm-hmm. you know, figure it was seven years ago. So they're all just either finishing up graduate school or mm-hmm. better their career. So now they're young women. Yeah. So, of course, you know, we want to encourage everybody to see the movie because that's that's fun. But we also want everybody to, to read the book. So, Kathy... What would we find? You know, everybody always says the book's better than the movie. <laughs> so what would we find well, in the book that we're not going to learn watching story. the movie? 
Yeah, it is yeah, a true I mean, story. Yeah, I mean, we have a, a real thing in there. I mean, people will write me and say, well, did you really have those notebooks? And I'm like, no, I didn't have those notebooks, <laughs> you know, and things like that. The, the book is available on Amazon uh-huh. or it's at the Barnes & Noble stores. Uh, it's doing very well in, in the sports categories and for Amazon. I think it's number one in five or six categories, so I'm absolutely thrilled with that. Yeah. Um, or they can go to KCI Sports Publishing in mm-hmm. Stevens Point, Wisconsin, and order it. Yeah. Um, I, I, w- I meant to ask you, did you get to, to attend the movie premiere? Did they have like a big premiere date? We had a huge premiere here in Iowa City. Oh, neat. And then we got Ernie and I, they flew Ernie and I down for the L.A. premiere. Oh, cool. And then a week later, I flew down with my mom for the Ellen DeGeneres show. Oh, wow. Oh, I know. Yeah. yeah, she was interviewing Helen, so huh. um, I got to go tag along and see what that was all like. Yeah. Oh, how fun. Uh, it so... was. I'd rather be on the back porch, like you know, how apt with your the name of your show, but uh-huh. when I got home for the third time from L.A., it was like, oh, my God, I'd so much rather be in my, my own house. Yeah. You know, it was a neat thing to see once, but uh-huh. uh, not something I need to do ever again in my lifetime. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kathy, how do you think this whole experience has changed you as a person? Oh, my heavens. Um, I would say from that season, uh, a certain amount of humbleness, and I feel very blessed to have had the people around me that I did. I feel very grateful mm-hmm. uh, for what life's given all of us from this. And it all started with a tragedy, but what we made of that tragedy is what I feel so blessed about mm-hmm. So I think it. I think it's made me a better person. I hope the heck it has. What do you hope most people will remember about Caroline? <laughs> her smile, her infectious smile, and that it's okay to uh, just love life because mm-hmm. we don't know how long we have. Yeah, very well said. Well, uh, Coach, this has been an incredible story, and I'm again so honored that you would share it with our listening audience. Thank you so much for being with me. Well, I'm so honored that you guys would have me on. That has been Coach Kathy Bresnahan on the front porch.